August 27th. We now turn our attention to the New Testament, and today we'll be reading in the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 1, verse 12, and we'll go through chapter 2, verse 11, where we'll hear about feelings from a heart of love touched with pain. Paul wrote a severe letter to the church, hoping to correct the problem. It brought grief to his dear friends, and that brought grief to Paul. But they disciplined the man who had caused the trouble. You see, Paul was not afraid to share his feelings with others. When you're out of touch with your feelings, you are out of touch with reality. We'll also uh, learn about forgiveness, hear from Warren Wiersbe's uh, Bible commentary, uh, chapter by chapter, where he says, uh, When sinners truly repent, we should forgive them and reaffirm our love to them. Otherwise, they might become discouraged and give Satan an opportunity to accuse and attack. Love does not condone sin. But it does cover sin when God has washed it away. And with that, let's begin our reading today in the New Testament. August 27th, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 12, through chapter 2, verse 11. We, Paul and his co-workers, can say with confidence and a clear conscience that we have been honest and sincere in all our dealings. We have depended on God's grace, not on our own earthly wisdom. That is how we have acted toward everyone and especially toward you. My letters have been straightforward, and there is nothing written between the lines and nothing you can't understand. I hope someday you will fully understand us, even if you don't fully understand us now. Then, on the day when our Lord Jesus comes back again, you will be proud of us in the same way we are proud of you. Since I was so sure of your understanding and trust, I wanted to give you a double blessing. I wanted to stop and see you on my way to Macedonia, and again on my return trip. Then you could send me on my way to Judea. You may be asking why I changed my plan. Hadn't I made up my mind yet? Or am I like people of the world who say yes when they really mean no? As surely as God is true, I am not that sort of person. My yes means yes because Jesus Christ, the Son of God, never wavers between yes and no. He is the one whom Timothy, Silas, and I preached to you, and he is the divine, yes, God's affirmation. For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in him. That is why we say amen when we give glory to God through Christ. It is God who gives us, along with you, the ability to stand firm for Christ. He has commissioned us, and He has identified us as His own, by placing the Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment of everything He will give us. Now I call upon God as my witness that I am telling the truth. The reason I didn't return to Corinth was to spare you from a severe rebuke. But that does not mean... We want to tell you exactly how to put your faith into practice. We want to work together with you, so you will be full of joy as you stand firm in your faith. So I said to myself, No, I won't do it. I won't make them unhappy with another painful visit. For if I cause you pain and make you sad, who is going to make me glad? That is why I wrote as I did in my last letter, so that when I do come, I will not be made sad by the very ones who ought to give me the greatest joy. 
Surely you know that my happiness depends on your happiness. How painful it was to write that letter. Heartbroken, I cried over it. I didn't want to hurt you, but I wanted you to know how very much I love you. I am not overstating it when I say that the man who caused all the trouble hurt your entire church more than he hurt me. He was punished enough when most of you were united in your judgment against him. Now it is time to forgive him and comfort him. Otherwise he may become so discouraged that he won't be able to recover. Now show him that you still love him. I wrote to you as I did to find out how far you would go in obeying me. When you forgive this man, I forgive him too. And when I forgive him for whatever is to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit, so that Satan will not outsmart us, for we are very familiar with his evil schemes. Hi, this is Tom Orr, the Development Manager for The Refuge. I want to thank you and everyone who has supported our men's and women's ministries. God is transforming lives here, but often He is working through you. Whether you're praying for us, volunteering your time, or giving financially, we rely on your love and support to do what we do. Our annual fundraising gala is coming up on October 14th, and we want to invite you to be a part of it. Just go to our website, therefugeohio.org, again that's therefugeohio.org, and click on the fundraising gala banner at the top of the page to learn how you can help us change lives affected by addiction. This week we're going to talk about love. And what better way to talk about love than by looking at the great love chapter of the Bible. That's 1 Corinthians chapter 13. I'm guessing many of you have heard the words of this chapter before. Usually they're read at Christian weddings. They're often found on Christian artwork and paintings. But these words don't just apply to husbands and wives. They're not just for those who are married. They're for people who are dating or single, young, old, people who are in love, people who are searching for love. The words of 1 Corinthians 13 are really for all Christians. And so this week, what we're going to do is we're going to look at this very special description of love. And each day, we're going to take one verse of that description and take a closer look. So here's the first verse of that section, verse 4. It says, Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. First of all, it says love is patient. Literally, love is long-suffering. It, it endures. It doesn't give up. It doesn't have snap decisions. It doesn't overreact. Love is patient. Secondly, love is kind, which means love does kind things, things that are beneficial and useful to other people. Love also does not envy. It's not interested in what others have because I'm jealous and I'm not happy with what I have. Love is content and love is happy that others have different things. Part of doing that is that love is not proud and love does not boast. It doesn't push myself and my interests into the spotlight. It doesn't seek praise. Love gives praise. This one starting verse that describes love seems like a whopping challenge. Where do we even start with this? Well, the answer is to start with Jesus. Jesus is the one who is patient with us, forgiving us every day. Jesus is the one who is so kind and compassionate to people here in this world. 
Jesus is the ultimate example of showing humble love, elevating and cherishing us, taking pride and joy in in our forgiveness, in our salvation, in our sharing in his glory. Who can you show that kind of love to in your life? Start with your spouse. Start with that special someone in your life. Start with your family and your friends. And then from there, think about your neighbors, your co-workers, even your enemies in life. This is the kind of love that Jesus showed. And this is the kind of love that we can show. Because this is true love. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13. As David lay sick, he looked back and recalled that he had been merciful to others and had helped the poor. This encouraged him, for he knew that God would help him. God is merciful to those who show mercy to others. When you're in pain, it's good to have a clear conscience to encourage you. Then David looked around and saw that his enemies were gossiping about him and wishing he were dead. Even his close friend turned against him. Now if this happens to you, keep in mind that it also happened to Jesus. Greater than the pain of sickness is the pain of having a treacherous so-called friend. Finally, David looked up, and that solved his problems. No matter what others might say, God was well pleased with David, and that was all that mattered to him, and that uh, really should be all that matters to us. Let David's enemies spread their gossip. God would raise him up, hold him up, and brighten him up with the light of his countenance. Sometimes how you feel depends on where you're looking. Psalm 41, verses 1 through 13, with the choir director, a psalm of David. Oh, the joys of those who are kind to the poor. The Lord rescues them in times of trouble. The Lord protects them and keeps them alive. He gives them prosperity and rescues them from their enemies. The Lord nurses them when they are sick and eases their pain and discomfort. O Lord, I prayed, have mercy on me. Heal me, for I have sinned against you. But my enemies say nothing but evil about me. How soon will he die and be forgotten, they ask. They visit me as if they are my friends. But all the while they gather gossip. And when they leave, they spread it everywhere. All who hate me whisper about me, imagining the worst for me. Whatever he has, it is fatal, they say. He will never get out of that bed. Even my best friend, the one I trusted completely, the one who shared my food, has turned against me. Lord, have mercy on me. Make me well again, so I can pay them back. I know that you are pleased with me, for you have not let my enemy triumph over me. You have preserved my life because I am innocent. You have brought me into your presence forever. Bless the Lord, the God of Israel, who lives forever from eternal ages past. Amen and amen. Proverbs 22, verses 5 and 6. The deceitful walk a thorny, treacherous road. Whoever values life will stay away. Teach your children to choose the right path. And when they are older, they will remain upon it.